Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of my podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. I'm delighted to be joined by another guest this week, Raymond Poole. Let me give you a little bit of background on Raymond. Uh, Raymond is the co-founder of the PM Summit, an annual program management conference. He's also the founder and CEO of PMIS. That's a training and consulting business that helps companies take a project management approach to their organizations. Raymond has worked on projects across a range of sectors from oil and gas to defense forces and engineering, and he's been involved in major projects here in Ireland, America, South Africa, Azerbaijan, and even as far afield as Indonesia. As well as a conference organizer and speaker, he's also an author, having published two books of a more personal nature in the last year. Uh, With Raymond, gosh, we're going to have so much to talk about, but you're so welcome to my podcast, Raymond. Thanks very much, James. It's lovely to be here and um, privileged to do it. Oh, gosh, no, my, my pleasure. Um, so let's start. Let, let's dive in. Project Management Summit. I've been blessed to have both spoken at it and attended it in several years. Um, and of course, this year is its sixth year, originally scheduled to take place in the convention center in the springtime, I think it was. Now it's rescheduled for next week, December 15th. Uh, as a conference organizer, gosh, that must have been a challenge. How have you reorganized it? Or that, that business word for, for 2020, how have you pivoted it, uh, Raymond? Yeah, pivoted is a, is a good word. <laughs> it's a polite, <clears throat> polite word, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, Actually, I mean, it, it, I suppose it would be a failure on their behalf if a, a, a company that's project-driven can't um, manage even through a pandemic. We're, we're meant to be able to be agile enough to manage through anything, but <laughs> it, it, uh, it was a huge challenge. As you said, it was to go mm. out earlier this year in March, and then it was May, and then it was October, and then eventually it's uh, December. So we yeah. just had to keep pushing it because as lockdowns were encountering, we, we kept pushing it out. And, and the format had to change. You mm. know yourself, um, mm. ordinarily it's people come to the convention center, they're in a room together and they network. Well, that all had to out the window so yeah. we've had to um look at putting it online mm. and um even that it was a huge learning curve putting something mm. online that the whole process of recording it and um i think when you're like we are now talking live mm. you, you there's a natural flow to your conversation yes. everything and, and if you make a mistake you don't worry too much about it. it's a mistake so what mm. um mm. but when you're being on film i think e- even some of the presenters sort of first time they've been put in front of a camera found that a bit daunting you know but like great learning curve um i think it's a, it's definitely something for the future i think I, I think it's forced a lot of companies the pandemic it's had a lot of negatives but it, mm. it, there are positives coming out of it in business and personal yes. life as well i think yes you know? uh, yes i agree <clears throat> i think um i think when it comes to summits and conferences you know the the accepted norm was you know you rock and roll up to the convention center mm. or the rds or wherever it was and you know, you do your network, you look at your stands and, and you participate in events and, and fabulous. I mean, I, I love those sort of events and I can't wait to get back to them. But the um, uh, it's amazing still what's possible online and how the audience now can be global because you don't physically have to go anywhere. That's correct. And and I mean, we, we found that as well. Our tickets are selling outside of Ireland much more so this time than um, previous years. Yeah. And, I, and I think... The other thing is that people are now ex- acceptance. There's an acceptance there to watch people having been recorded and present, whereas 
prior if you had you know yourself if you if if, if someone had rocked up to the the where, where we were hosting the event and next time sit, standing in a room and i introduced someone and they're on the screen they would have probably gone a bit well you know it's a live event could they not have been in yes. the room with you yeah. but i think people will change their minds towards that now um you know, and I think what will happen going forward is I personally think these events will all become hybrid events. I think yes. people will, will do the live event in the room, but they'll have it hybrid, whereas it will be recorded or whether it goes out live, but it will definitely be recorded. And then people can um, look back at it later on or, or yeah, whatever, which yeah. is a great um, asset to anybody yeah. to, attending an event, you know? Yeah, it's changing the dimensions of it. I think that mm. hybrid, I think that hybrid model will be the way it's going. It's it's something that I'm contemplating for the events and that that I run myself. But it's 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 uh, what's that old phrase? You know, the, uh, necessity, the mother of invention. It sort mm. of forces you to do things differently. But I know for me, I'd also opened my eyes around the technology that was there anyway. But I never even sought to you know consider it. Um, mm. um, it's amazing what's what's possible. Um, speaking about previous events, of course, and you've had some amazing lineups over the over the years. I, I remember being particularly wowed by uh, by David Putnam, Baron David Putnam, Oscar winner, producer for Chariots of Fire, and of course, I think it was last year you had David McWilliams, the economist, right, columnist, yeah. um, and then our, our mutual friend uh, Sinead Kane, the, the visually impaired athlete. I remember she gave a fantastic talk as well on, on teamwork, I think it was. Um, uh, people who are interested in attending, we'll give them the link and that for tickets in a minute. But what might be some of the the what, what people who are thinking about attending what might they get from the event this year or what are some of the speakers that um that uh, you know that that people could 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 learn from well um i mean the, the the one thing about our event is it's it's um it it, it goes right across the spectrum of project management mm -hmm. and I, what i mean by that is we will have construction people in a room which people tend to think of projects around building something or whatever but we also have high you know technology guys, pharmaceutical people, mm. um, government bodies and all come to the event, financial institutions right. come to the event. So what I like about our event is the first thing I like about it is we never theme it because I always feel when you theme an event, it's like you've got a load of people talking about vanilla, but they're trying to describe it differently. <laughs> so <laughs> well, what we say to people is, look, the, the, the floor is open to you when you're submitting your bid to, mm. to speak at our event. Just you tell us what you think is important in project management yeah. and we'll then have a look at that. Yeah. And then because of that and because that diversity that comes to the um, event, we, I think anyway, we get this cross-pollination, which ordinarily you wouldn't get insofar as you get people that are using a specific type of project management methodology, maybe Agile or Scrum or something. And then you have the diehard people that would be using um, the traditional construction and they, they're, they're mingling with one another and the presentations are about all of these different elements and everybody gets something new because it's yeah if you if you don't have that diverse type of presentations at an event you start to get a very polarized view of what you think project management mm. is about mm. and you've been at our event i mean the main mm. thing about project management is the foremost thing is it's about people mm. That's the first thing you've got to realize. And then when it gets into people, then it's about leadership and it's yes. about change management. It's about transformation. It's about um, risk management. It's, a, it's stress management. Yeah. All of that comes into it. Mental health, everything yeah. is involved because 
you know, it's painful. They say, yeah. yeah, I mean, they they call it project management, and you know, you could argue, well, is it really project leadership or is it people leadership or what yeah. is it? But yeah. uh, it has been given the tagline of project management, so we'll stick with that for the moment. But I mean, a lot of people who come to our event don't even use any particular methodology, and if they do, they don't even know what it, that they're using <laughs> one. Um, yeah. you, you know, they're they're just people who are engaged in projects and want to learn and expand their their knowledge and viewpoints on it. You know. Yeah, and I found that certainly the case when um, when I've attended at it um, um, you know you're exposed to a range of speakers and expertise when people are speaking on their own topics that you normally wouldn't come across I think there's that old phrase you know not all wisdom is in the one school um, mm. it's like being being exposed to the different schools as it were and you know, as someone myself who who tries to operate project management methodologies and and who sees most of the work I'm involved in as little mini projects anyway, um, I often think project management is a tool to an end, and and you never want to lose sight of what that end is, and therefore it's a bit like um, uh, you know, it's a bit like the, the the menu item is project management, but but what it what what how is it nourishing people? You know, what are people getting from it? Um, yeah, the food as it were. Yeah, so if you look historically, um, like project management is really a term that came across with the multinationals, although you may not believe that. I mean, project okay. manager, the, the, the term project manager didn't exist in any forms of civil engineering contract in the oh. 80s or the 90s. Okay. So um, we, we, we ended up with things like resident engineer or site engineer mm. or site agent, but it wasn't called a project manager. So it evolved with multinationals and different organizations now embarking on it. But as you said, I mean, I think anyway, everybody is managing a project. Mm. And mm. and I mean, the one, you know, the definition of a project is something that's impermanent. So in, there's an impermanence about it. In other words, it, there's a d definitive end to it. it. It isn't ongoing because if it was, it would be operational management, yes. which actually has the same sort of things you need to do. But I mean, the biggest project we all manage, James, is, a, is, is our life. You know, that's yeah. impermanent. It's not, it's never, it's not never ending, you know, and that's why when we bring in our keynotes and we've had you, as you said, uh, talk at our event and Sinead and Neve Shaw and da yes. Lord David Putnam, people would be saying to me, like, I mean, what's Lord David Putnam going to talk about? He's a film producer, but sure, a film is a, pro yes. is a project. Yes. I mean, this year we've got um, one of the, our keynotes this year is Keith Barry. Yes. And people people mm. would go, well, what's Keith Barry doing at a project management <laughs> event? But Keith Barry is an amazing motivational speaker and um, getting you to expand your vision and yes. think outside of the box. Yes. And um, it all falls in, you know? Yeah, there's, there's, it's back to that word of diversity. Keith Barry is a is, is tremendous speaker. And, and, and I often think there's, I think if someone is a professional speaker, you know, like yourself or myself, there always has to be that element of uh, engagement almost to the point of entertainment. Um, but then there has to be the substance behind it as well. Exactly. What, am I, what am I getting from this? Um, and, and I know I haven't heard uh, Keith Barry speak a few times before. Uh, there's certainly the entertainment engagement value for sure, but there's also the widening of perspective, thinking outside of the box, lateral thinking, um, and and the, I, I suppose the old possibility that's outside of comfort zones almost um yeah that's fascinating i'd forgotten he was on the on the schedule for this year and um, if you're interested for for listeners the um the the pm summit website i'll give it to you it's pmsummit.global 
So you're global already with that title. <laughs> you never even knew. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I, I remember attending your um, a management course back. I think it was in 2010. I don't know if you know the gentleman Blaise Brosnan did it. Right. And one of the local enterprise boards, and he, mm -hmm. he's a he's a fantastic mentor and coach. Mm -hmm. And um, he got everybody to write down one night where they saw themselves, and I think it was five or ten years time. And on my piece of paper, I wrote. Um, over 70% of all revenue will be generated off the island of Ireland. Right. And I had actually no idea why I even wrote it. I just mm -hmm. it came into my head. And without even realizing, at the end of that year, I ended up signing a contract to go out to South Africa to right. work on a major implementation project for a, what would be the equivalent of ESB here, mm -hmm. introducing project controls for them. I went out, as you do, for four months and mm -hmm. came back 24 months later. Oh, gosh. You know, so, um, yeah, life, um, you know, it throws you up these um, challenges and you should try and grab them with both hands when it does. And, you know, don't worry about the failure. I mean, you'll only fail if you... The, yeah. The one thing, you know, the one thing about failure is it's your learning curve. Yeah. And if you're not pushing your boundaries, then... Um, you're, you're not really living you're, you're you're existing i think at some stage you know I, yes i agree it's that old analogy of of pushing forward and i think mm. it's also how we're hotwired as people to continuously grow and evolve um because it's all about reaching for our potential we'll never get to it but we'll we'll reach for it yeah that 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 segues nicely Raymond, into sort of broader reflections on on this year. I know, you know, a bit like myself, you know, you're a reflector, you'll, you have great levels of self-awareness, uh, you'll think about things. Um, and for me, certainly 2020 has been a time to reset and reassess priorities and in some ways getting back to basics. You know, it's not been a year of, of business as usual, as it were. Um, no. What's been some of the, the things you've been reminded of or some of the... I ah, think almost, almost. Yeah, I think um well I mean you, you know anyway we 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 both have a personal history with illness and and, mm -hmm. and, and things like that and in our challenge that we had our fight with cancer so yeah. um that happened to me in 2017 mm. but then what happened last year at the beginning of last year or no mid last year my dad was diagnosed with mm -hmm. cancer as well and that mm -hmm. sort of reset us and then he passed away at the end of last year yeah. so I was coming into this year with that behind me yeah. and um you know, I mean, like everyone, actually, 2020, from a business perspective, shot off wonderfully for us. January and February, this was like, my goodness, this is going to be the best <laughs> year ever in business. And, my, and I, I'd been telling my daughter works with me, and I kept saying to her at the end of last year, 2020 is going to be our year. And she kept saying, no, I think there's something that I just don't feel it. And then right. when the pandemic hit, she said, yeah. see, I told you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but, but I mean, it, it's, um, I think what, what, the pandemic has done for a lot of people is, is I think anyway, it's done two, a couple of things. One, it's allowed you to hit the pause button. Yes. Because we all had to pause. And I think, and when we pause, I think we reevaluate things. Now, you know, it's like, actually, the, the whole COVID was like the grieving process where you go through the, the anger and the yeah. frustration and there's the acceptance and then there's the coming through that and everything. And I, I think, you know, I can understand with young families, with young kids and the homeschooling all were yeah. major, major challenges. But I think it was a pause button for me and it got me back into nature. I um, yeah. I started walking again and um, I really discovered just how much I had missed just walking in amongst the trees. Mm. And um, I live in Blessington, so there's plenty of space for me to walk around the lakes and everything and bring my dogs out for a walk and that. And um, 
And I think it reconnected me with nature and reconnected me with my family. Even though my mm. daughter works with me, we, mm. we, we then were, we, we were actually socializing more because we were actually out walking that bit more, you know? So mm. for me, that, that would, you know, obviously there's the downside of it and everything, but I think there was definitely, you know, we, if we look at it, there were some positives and I know the lockdown is hard for people. Don't oh, get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. It is extremely hard. But when you think about it, it didn't take away going outside our hall door and walking. No. Whether that's in the suburbs or if that's in the nature of the trees and the forests. But even if you live in the suburbs, I mean there's architecture, does look at there's the trees, there's the parks, there's so um yeah, we had our we had our uh, freedom restricted a little mm-hmm. um and we couldn't go to non essential shopping mm-hmm. in that. But you know, um hopefully it's um for the majority of people, I think they got through it. And then there were, of course, those who struggled with um, retaining their jobs. And that yes. and that was particularly in the entertainment industry. Oh, um, yeah. they, they, and, and even the people behind the scene, like Keith Barry can come on and do our mm-hmm. virtual summit for all the people that would have been doing his stage work, yeah. lighting and all this yeah. for them to do. Yeah, yeah, that were involved so, in, the, in the physical so, production of things. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it was really definitely a pause and a reset and where where do you want to go i mean cancer already had done that with me yeah. but this even gave me more time to think and reflect yeah. you know yeah it's it's so fascinating raymond because i think our stories mirror each other mm. so much because i had the bladder cancer diagnosis in 2017 um and then uh skin cancer raised its head and all dealt with you know like i'm innocent yeah. and it's been dealt with but um i remember i can't remember who it was who said it to me it's like you know you get the the physical side of things will be sorted out quicker than the mental and emotional side of things. And, um, and that's certainly been true in my case. And then just like mirroring your, your dad's journey, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer October 19, and then he died, what is it now, nearly eight weeks ago, nine weeks mm. ago. Uh, we just passed his his um, his first birthday, uh, one of the first milestones, and um, you know there's a grieving process to that too. And then you throw COVID stuff in on top of it. Um, for me, certainly 2020 has been not what I expected at all. No, um, no. <laughs> um, and I and I think if you know the way you use that phrase, 2020 vision, Raymond. I think there's a different definition of 2020. Yeah, most um, <laughs> well, definitely. You know, as someone as someone said, um, I saw on social media, someone said, "I bet when you're asked that question, where do you think you'll be in five years' time in 2015? You never thought you'd be here." <laughs> <laughs> You know? that, is, that is so true i saw something else recently and i think i'll possibly and i'll need to change it because it'll be outdated in, in a few weeks time but it was like um you know 2019 or something like surround yourself with positive people 2020 do not go near positive people yeah. because yeah. they would you know it's it's too much i think it's about survival this year not it's surviving not thriving as i as i sometimes say to myself yeah and, and um, i think you know i mean um I, I, I sometimes have a tag for people on Twitter when I'm talking because there's a, there's a lot of, of it on Twitter and I, I sometimes refer to the positivity Duracell bunnies, you know, mm. um, they're, 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 they're continuously positive and, and, and that's wonderful. But I think um, we all struggle at some stage in our lives yeah. and um, to, to, you, you can't not and you, you wouldn't be human if you didn't. And sometimes I feel when people are struggling, um, the over positivity can in fact 
um, someone asked me a question recently and I said, we don't, you know, people keep saying we do death well in Ireland. I don't think we do death well in Ireland. We do celebrating a life extremely mm. well mm. because mm. when we mourn at a funeral, there's laughter, there's, yes. there's, there's a food, there's, there's a, having a drink and we're, we're jolly and we're reflecting on that life. Yes. But we actually tried to park that there's actually a person sitting in a coffin. Mm. because um, that, that part of death where your emotion and your, your negativity and your, your anger and your grief comes up and the tears and everything, mm. um, we don't really see that a whole lot um, in, in our funerals. And, I, and that's just my impression of it. And that's just, um, yeah, I, I think in, in 2020, one thing it should have made us um, is more tolerant of when people are down. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, and, and you can't do it now, obviously, but, Sometimes isn't it just a hug that they need, yeah. or, or or not even the hug? It's just be present with them, but don't say anything. Let them talk, and, yeah. and when they need for you to come in into conversation, don't worry; they will give you the signal. And actually, they're not asking you to have the answer. Yeah. They're just asking you to give them the space to talk about what they need to talk yeah, about. You know, that's, that's so on point for me at the minute, Raymond. Mm. I have to say because I, I don't know within my makeup, I think I'm a natural fixer and uh, you know always want to help people out you know with the noblest intentions i would hope but sometimes when you're when you're in that scenario you know there is no solution you know particularly no. with grief stuff there is no solution you just have to live it and i just see it here with myself where you know i can uh, one of the things that that has really helped me um with, with, with that sense of loss grief in in recent times is to is to, to sort of say it, okay, grief is visiting me now, you know, almost like, you know, a neighbor calling in, grief is visiting me now. Mm. And, 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 and that visit will end in five minutes or five hours, you know, it'll, mm -hmm. it'll end. And almost like the, the, the impermanence of the project management that you were speaking about earlier, it's mm. going to come and go like, like waves. But one of the things that, that also struck me um, was how physical grief is um, and, and the, 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 almost like the wrench that's on my body uh, with it um, and, to be, and to be tolerant and accepting of that rather than trying to brush it aside. Um, yeah, and I think, that's, I think that, that's the key there, James. You just said brushing it aside. Yeah. You, you, you know, um, there's a, a great thing the Icelandic people talk about, um, and I've forgotten the word for it, and um, it's to do with the internal river right. and, le and letting it flow. Right. Um, and if, and if, you, if you look at nature and you look at a river or a stream, if you try to divert it, as many a person has tried mm. to divert a river, it eventually finds its way back mm. to where it wants to go, you know, and it will, it'll, it will decide where it needs to flow. So I think... With, with that side of thing and grief, you, you should just, you know, yeah. let, let it flow. It, it is what it is. Um, be acceptant of it. And, um, you know, everybody's going to go through it at some stage in their life if they live long enough. Yeah. And we all deal with it probably slightly different because we, yes. the reason we deal with it slightly different is because we're a fabric of the threads that have been woven historically in our life to that point in time. And, that grief process is just another tread in that fabric that's going to bring you forward. Mm -hmm. So every time you're going along in life, you're th this fabric that makes you is just all these treads intertwining. And um, eventually you are who you are because of everything that happened to you, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, it's a tapestry that sometimes mm. that's used, but I love that. I love that. 
I must look up what that is Icelandic word is, that sense of flow, because when you were speaking, it's almost like, um, you know, water going down a hill or a river or whatever. It'll find the points of least resistance. Yeah. Um, and, and not resisting it. That's, that's, that's spoken to me, uh, Raymond, I yeah. have to say. Yeah. There's other things that we have in common too are the, are the books. And I know you have, I have them right here in front of me. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and they're not project management books. They're not, they're not. <laughs> they're far from it. <laughs> um, one one with, the, with the title, Nothing So Bad That It Couldn't Get Worse, which I think itself is a fantastic title. And then the other one, Taking the Piss Out of Cancer, although that word is not spelt with the double S, it's with the double five on the front of the book. Um, And uh, sometimes when I'm speaking to writers, I I talk about the process of writing, but I suspect with yourself, Raymond, they were cathartic. Would that be a fair Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were both both written on on the journey. Um, Nothing so bad that it couldn't be worse was a saying my father used to always say right. to me. And um, when I was going through my cancer journey, he came to me one day to visit me and he stood at the end of my bed and at home and he said, you know, son, I know it's bad now, but nothing is so bad that it couldn't be worse and you're going to get through it. And um, and when I was writing that book, it was a reflection of all the things that, like I just said about that fabric and those threads yeah. that had happened in my life up to that point in time and how some of those things that had happened in my younger life impacted my prostate cancer journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was also about my mother and, 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 and that relationship that I had, and she ended up with dementia and things like that. So um, that was that one. And then the other one, um, taking the piss out of cancer, was, um, it, it, was, um, it was an interesting book to write, believe it or not, because um, it's basically... A almost like a, a, a it's a conversation between two voices in my head mm, talking yeah. about me in the third person, but yet I'm writing it. But mm. when I was writing it, I never felt as if I was writing it. I felt as if they were writing it. Now I'm sure a psychiatrist would have a wonderful time with me trying to analyze that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, they talked about it and uh, they talked about everything that happened on my journey. But we put a bit of, a lot of humor yeah. into it because. Um, I wanted people to realize that um, cancer is a very scary word. It mm, really it is, is, you know. Yeah. And I remember someone saying it to me, and I said, well, if you break it down, it's like can certainly, because mm-hmm. C-E-R and, and C-A-N. And, and you can certainly, you know, I'm not belittling um, anyone that has a severe form that is, is terminal. I think that, that's the worst place yeah. to be. But y- you, you, you have to live your life in that moment. Mm. Um, you really do, and you you have to live in that day because you never get that day back. The exact same in project management. When the day is gone, it's gone. You're never going to claim it back. Mm-hmm. And when that day is gone in your life, it's gone. So for me, what I find um, good, and, and you know anyway, is I always like to laugh. Yeah. And, and, and I'm always tweeting about cancer hates the sound of laughter. Mm-hmm. So primarily that's why I wrote that one about um, taking the piss out of cancer was to give people um, some good sound advice and information about it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, give them a bit of a laugh. So I actually described it as um, Ricky Gervais having a conversation with Roddy Dial about <laughs> cancer. 
I can see it. I can I can see it either on the stage or as a, as a TV program. You know, it's almost like um, it, it, it's you know in, in the waiting for Godot sort of sort of yeah. style. The um, and of course. Uh, one of them, which one is it, Raymond? That's the proceeds are made of the Marie Keating Foundation. So that's taking the taking yes. the piss out of cancer. That's actually you, you purchased that book from their website. So if you go out to MarieKeating.ie and you go to their shop and you just um, look around or type in book or something, yeah. you'll find it. Or if you go to RaymondPool.com, that's P-O-O-L-E. Yes. There's a there's a page on it that um, has information about the book. And when you click on the link to purchase it, it brings you straight to the Marie Keating Foundation uh, page as well. Yeah. And the other, the other book went to UNICEF Ireland. Yes, I see that here on the back mm. of it. Yeah, and of course, yeah. I know you've been a great supporter of UNICEF over the years, and there's a tie-in with the with the PM Summit as well. Um, yeah, we we've um, we've been with them nearly since the second year of our event, mm. um, and. Uh, Look, we were we were fortunate enough in the early days when my health was good that the company was making um, a, a substantial amount of money and we were able to give large donations over to yes. UNICEF. Now it's a bit more challenging in these times, but we still try to do um, something every year for them. And uh, we're, we're great supporters of them. And I think there's nothing more precious in life than a child's life. And, um, you know, We've all had a struggle this year, or those I've had grandchildren, but mm-hmm. my daughters have had a struggle with that uh, homeschooling at home. But the reality is, they're sitting in their home, sheltered. Yeah. Um, there are children sitting in a, a refugee tent yeah. in the middle of winter this year, and their mothers and fathers are no longer with them. So, yeah. to me, it's important to look after them. You know? Yeah. No, that's that's so true. Um, uh, the, the time here has flown by, Raymond. There's a few. Has. There's a few questions that I always like to close my chats with guests with, based on a, a version of the Proust questionnaire. And sometimes they lead to new insights and some discussion. Um, uh, what is your most cherished possession? Yeah, I, I, I when I was looking at that, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually someone who. Who has got to a stage in life where I no longer? I keep telling my daughters for my birthday and Christmas and all that because my birthday is Christmas Day. I keep saying, "Okay, right." I actually, I actually, I don't need anything in life anymore, and I actually don't want anything in life anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I have everything I want, and for me, I suppose the most cherished possession I have is is probably memories. Okay, lovely. They would, they would be it. You know, my mom, my dad, mm. my daughters when they were children, and now I've got my grandchildren. So. Yes. Because there's something that no matter where you go in the world, they come you with them. you. Yeah, you have them. Do you and you don't need them on a phone or you don't need to back them up to the cloud or anything. They're there. Yeah. And going back to, you know, 2020, it's been a pause and a, a reset or whatever. It's like the, you know, if the external distractions aren't there to the same mm. extent, or if we can't go out to the same extent, we can look inwards a little bit more. And if we can't go to Italy on our holidays or whatever, we still have the memories of mm. previous holidays and previous times um, to allow us to connect with those emotions. Do you know what's interesting? It's popped into my head. I've asked, you know, guests who, who were on recently, Bibi Baskin, Sinead Kane, or whatever about their cherished possessions. But it, it only struck me now whilst you're speaking what would probably be mine, Raymond. And um, uh, I've written a diary, you know, at the end of each day since, mm. the, since the beginning of January. 1986. Wow. I was 15. So I'm giving my age away. I was 15, but I have what 30 odd volumes of them now. 
And I think if the house was on fire, that's what I'd run for. Um, yeah. Because it's almost like the, the tangible evidence of a life. <laughs> um, mm, and, mm. and God help any future person reading them because the writing's probably quite illegible. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another day. <laughs> uh, speaking of reading, anything that you're reading or learning or on the bookshelves at the minute? Um, well, I recently finished a, a change management course, right. um, which was uh, interesting. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I, I found that very um, sort of insightful as well, because mm-hmm. it looks at, I have a great interest in sort of psychology and people's mm-hmm. makeup and everything. And, and Shirley O'Neill, I think you, yes. she, you know her as well. She was the, the, um, the, 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 the tutor for it. And she did a fabulous job on it. And actually we have her speaking at her event, but she, I found her very interesting lady. Yeah. Reading, um, I haven't started it yet, but I've bought Neve Fitzpatrick's book, um, Tell Me the Truth About Loss. Right. Um, was very interested in in Neve's story and how she coped um, as someone who's a psychologist with the loss of her um, lovely sister, uh, Mm. Dara Fitzpatrick, in that RNLI helicopter accident. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. So um, I'm hoping to get into that over the Christmas. Yeah, and I think with those sort of books, because I've read a few myself in the area of grief, it, you know, when the author is brave enough to be vulnerable and to show that side of life, that's what I mm. find most inspiring and helpful, um, the, the, the reality of it. Um, and, and to know, whilst it's different for everyone, that, you know, that other people have walked the same ground and survived. Um, I yeah. know that's something that I'm holding on to at the at the minute with the, with my dad's passing still very very real and raw um uh if we think of a favorite quote or a motto or uh you know a saying that you have raymond that you find helpful or yeah that I'm, you lean on yeah so 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 one of my greatest comforts in life since the early years of being a child and that has always been music mm-hmm. and um the older I got, the more um, I, I got into the music and the lyrics itself. Mm-hmm. And someone who always struck me with marvelous lyrics because it's almost like a poet singing was Leonard Cohen. Yes. And I paraphrase because I don't know the exact, but he has a, a quote in his um, song Anthem. And he says, um, there's a crack in everything. And that's how the light gets in. Uh, and I think that's the most powerful few words. You know, in other words, um, and, and, and I think it's the Japanese that have it. They have this thing of when something is broken, they don't discard it. They go gild it. They, they, they fix it because it's the imperfection that makes it actually perfect for yeah. them. And um, I think we all have cracks. And if we didn't, there'd be no light getting in. So, um, yeah, I think that's, a, that, that's probably one of my favorite all time quotes. That's, that's a, yeah, that's. That's a biggie, Raymond. Yeah. That, and I don't think you've paraphrased it because that, that rings true to me. I've, I've, I've seen that Leonard Cohen quote before. Um, and, and I can't think there's some name for that Japanese thing. We're going to have to look up our Icelandic and our Japanese. But yeah. the, um, 
there is a name for the for the jacket. There is. It's actually, I, I, yeah, yeah. I actually I wrote the name of it in my first book, and I can't remember what it was. But, um, I wouldn't be able to pronounce <laughs> it even even bet, if I did. Yeah, and I bet you that's where I came across it because I read yeah. it. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah. yeah no, that's lovely. Um, let me give listeners again the the link to the the PM Summit website. It's pmsummit.global. Um, and more information on Raymond. And of course, he delivers talks himself as well at raymondpool.com. Um, and Raymond, just last thing, just thank you so much for your insight and wisdom, not just with the, with the project management piece. And of course, best of luck with that event next week Thanks as well. Very much. Um, but also in, in, you know, in sharing your own story around your own recent journeys and challenges and um, and I say we're all human, and I think if we all take something from, you know, from from our little chat here, that you know, sometimes you can see people on stages are doing things, but behind it all, there's still a story, and there's still a journey, and there's still struggles. And um, that old phrase I came across a while back, you know, ultimately we're all just walking each other home. Um, um, so thank you for joining me today. Uh, and I'm looking forward to the Project Management Summit next week myself. <laughs> very good. And listen, James, thanks very much for having me. As always, it's been a pleasure. But And um, time, we never seem to have enough when we get together. Yeah. Oh, there'll be, there'll, be a, there'll be a face-to-face catch-up with a cup of coffee and a scone whenever possible. Most yeah. definitely, in our in favourite hotel. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> thanks again, Raymond. So thank you for tuning in this week. I'm James Sweetman. Um, I was joined there by Raymond uh, Poole, the uh, founder, co-founder of the Project Management Summit, which is on next week. Uh, be sure to check out the website, pmsummit.global, to grab your, your last-minute ticket. Uh, more information about me, James Sweetman, is available on my website, jamesweetman.com, and of course, the, across the different social media platforms. So thanks again for tuning in, and until next week. <laughs>